to be speaking about the food of God's word. Let me just uh, open us with a, a word of prayer. Would you join me? Lord God, I thank you for this morning and for the privilege of being here in your house with your people. And Lord, uh, just ask that you would glorify yourself as we look into your word, as we speak of the awesome and amazing God that you are. You are worthy of all praise and adoration, and we come humbly before you with open hearts to hear what you have for us. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I've had a number of people recently who have asked me uh, about small groups and uh, Bible studies, adult Bible fellowship, and kind of the, the question that often comes up is, what is the purpose? Why do we do that? Uh, some people have said, you know, why don't we have the Sunday night services like we used to have years ago, uh, and that sort of things. And um, one of the questions is, what kind of things happen at, at small groups? What happens at adult Bible fellowships? And, uh, and so this morning, I want to just share a, f- a few things with us uh, about that subject, about that area. Um, we're going to be looking at a variety of scripture. So I would invite you to get your Bibles and be ready to, uh, to follow along and, and uh, find the scripture um, that we will be looking at. Um, let me just say that uh, one of the things that we did a few years back was we uh, came up with a new mission statement here at Bethel. And it was interesting that you already heard it once this morning uh, from Becky uh, when she was up in the front. But... Um, I'm going to just start with that because I think it tells us a little bit about what we believe as a church we should be doing uh, in this area. And so the mission statement at Bethel is, Bethel, becoming Christ followers who grow, connect, serve, and tell. That's actually a great summary of what our small group ministry is all about, our adult Bible fellowships, our our Bible studies, uh, all of those things. It's helping people to grow in their faith, um, to connect with other believers, learning to serve uh, within the church, within the community, and then being comfortable uh, being able to go and tell others about uh, Jesus Christ. So you, th- you see things like uh, the uh, everyday evangelism that's going to be uh, coming out here soon, or beginning soon, and uh, that's a small group. In, in a, a essence, they get together, and one of the things that they do is they grow in their faith. They uh, mature as they're going along. Um, they connect with one another in ways uh, to help one another to uh, know how to interact when, with other people. They serve uh, by uh, going out to uh, people and sharing the word, and then they tell. They uh, have been prepared to tell the way of salvation to people who uh, desperately need to hear that. So that's kind of the uh, base of where we come from with our small group ministry. And so I just put up a, a few of the examples. Uh, uh, so our adult Bible fellowships, our small groups in homes, men's and women's uh, Bible studies, um, again, everyday evangelism. There are a number of ways that we as church get together and uh, do the mission statement, uh, become the church that uh, God has called us to become. 
So we share a common goal, which is growing in our personal relationship with Jesus Christ and then with others uh, as we move forward as a body of believers. Um, So if you think about um, meeting in people's homes or uh, making connections with other people, uh, going to an adult Bible fellowship, a part of that is you have people who will be coming in there who are uh, more mature than others. You'll have some who are not mature at all, some who are, are infants in Christ. You will have people who uh, are interacting in there who are much more outgoing. You have people who are much more reserved. One of the things that I have really uh, had the Lord impress on my heart, actually for a number of years now, is how uh, sometimes I'm in a group and I'm hearing, and somebody who hardly ever says anything in that group will come out with something, and you kind of just sit there with your, your jaw like, you know, like, wow. That that person had that insight and that understanding and shared something that I had never, ever thought of. Have you ever been in a study and somebody all of a sudden will ask a question and you realize that, oh, I've never thought about that scripture from that angle before? And how that then helps you to grow in that particular area. Well, sadly, one of the things that happens is you can't do that here on a Sunday morning when when Pastor Brian, and we're so blessed to have him uh, teaching and preaching from the front, but we can't interact with him. We can't uh, ask the questions. We can't uh, have him uh, directly answering and connecting with us. Uh, But in a smaller atmosphere, you can do that. You can ask questions, you can connect with people, and you can develop uh, relationships. Well, uh, how long have uh, small groups uh, and teaching and that sort of thing, how long has that been going on? Well, of course, we know that from the beginning, God's Word has been used to teach and to preach and to to help people in in spiritual growth. But certainly, uh, since Jesus, uh, uh, He has encouraged uh, growth and leading. You know, you remember that Jesus was known as teacher, right? People would come to him and, and refer to him as teacher. So obviously that means that they recognized that he had the ability to communicate truth to those people. And so they would come to him from all over. Even the Jewish leaders would come to him and, and refer to him as rabbi or teacher. Uh, so they saw him uh, as, as a teacher, one who uh, brought the word. But he didn't have a designated title within the, quote, Jewish church, right? He, he had that because of things that he was doing. I think sometimes we rely too much on titles and not enough on being learners and listeners and helping or listening to people who can help us to grow in our spiritual walk. So uh, the disciples uh, would come to him and, and learn from him. And uh, from Matthew eleven twenty nine. so if you want to turn there, we're going to start with that as far as verses we're going to look at today. And uh, I'll start with actually with 28. He says, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Then he says in 29, take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and humble in heart and you will find rest for your souls. Come and learn from me. Um, We can still come and learn from him today. We have his written word. We have his teaching. But certainly Jesus was encouraging 
learning, wasn't he? He encourages people to uh, learn from him, uh, to learn from his word. For what purpose? So that we can grow and we can be ready and prepared. And his call here is to come and to learn from him so that we can mature and that we can grow and we'll find rest for our souls. You know, there's times when when we are burdened because of sin or, or problems that have happened in our lives and, and we wonder, how can I ever get things right? How can I ever find rest in that? How can I ever uh, make, get to a point where I can, can make things right? And the great answer to that is Jesus Christ has already done that for us. He has already taken care of that. And if we learn that, if we can come to him and learn that we don't have to constantly be trying to work at uh, things, but rather we can come and rest on him and trust in him and believe in him and understand that he is the one who has already taken care of those things, then we can go and learn and grow in our relationship with him. So uh, for me, when I read verses like this, I recognize that he wants us to learn more about him, that we can grow in our faith so that we can find that rest that can only come from him. Uh, Otherwise, it seems like we're constantly uh, striving and struggling and and having issues and problems. And so as we grow in our faith, we learn to have faith in him and faith in the finished work that he has done for us. Uh, I find that there are times in my life when I'm I've done something or thought something or said something or been in a situation and I come away from that and my, you know, I'm just like, wow, how could you act like that? How could you say that? How could you do that? How could you think that? How could you feel that way? But then the more I get into God's word and I recognize that God knows that that's the nature of our heart and he's calling to us and he's saying, come to me, come to me. I'll take care of it. I'll, I'll handle it. I'll be there for you. I will give you rest. Learn. We need to learn so that we can grow and mature in our walk and in our faith in him. Well, I want to look at some other scriptures. So let's look at what uh, Paul teaches. So if you turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 3. 1 Corinthians chapter 3. This is a really encouraging verse uh, for us. Um, and I'm saying that tongue-in-cheek, um, as you will see here in a moment. So 1 Corinthians chapter 3, and I'm going to begin at verse 1. And here's the encouraging part. Brothers, I could not address you as spiritual, but as worldly, mere infants in Christ. Isn't that encouraging? <laughs> this is being written to a church like us, right? They're people, people who... Uh, needed to mature and grow in in their faith. Uh, He says, I give you milk, not solid food, for you are not yet ready for it. Indeed, you are still not ready. You are still worldly, for since there is jealousy and quarreling among you, are you not worldly? Are you not acting like mere men? For when one says, I follow Paul, and another, I follow Apollos, are you not mere men? And then it goes on and keeps talking about that and he says I don't want you to follow me I don't want you to to look at me I want you to look at Jesus Christ and he really directs them to the right way to follow uh, God and his word Uh, the the problem is is that sometimes we 
tend to focus our attention on the people rather on, rather than on uh, God and His Word and to learn from Him. So he calls them mere infants. And I, if I were to ask you to show hands, and I won't, uh, how many of you consider yourself mere in- infants, and how many of you are really mature and eating that you know the solid steaks of the Word? You know, uh, there probably be a mix of that. There are times when I feel like I'm still on the milk. <laughs> I, I still need, you know, like, wow, that's so, I have never thought of that before. I've never read that before. And, and that's one of the beauties of reading God's word is it's always new and fresh. We can always learn. We can always grow. We can always mature in areas that we struggle and fight because God is teaching us uh, through his word. So Paul, Paul was obviously dealing here with a, a struggling church. We know that the Corinthian church had a lot of issues. Uh, there were a lot of things that were going on. Um, if he were to write to Bethel today, to this church, I, I don't know what he would say. It would be interesting, wouldn't it, to have somebody like Paul uh, write to us and challenge us. Uh, and I wonder what he would say to us. You know, would he call us mere infants or would he say, I, I really like your maturity or, or you're preaching the word and keep it up. You're teaching the word, keep it up. Um, all we can do is trust that God's word is true and right and we have to study and then examine ourselves to see uh, where it is that we are in uh, this spectrum. So he encourages them to follow a growth process. Are you on a growth process? Are you doing something that will help you to be a little bit more mature than you were yesterday? Tomorrow will you be a little bit more mature than you were today? Mature in your view of God, mature in the way that you interpret and understand scripture, the way you interact with other people, the way you connect or or reject other people is going to be significant and important uh, as you continue this growth process. Now if you turn with me to Hebrews. And uh, in the book of Hebrews, um, there's some uh, interesting teaching in here in chapter 5 of Hebrews. Uh, Hebrews chapter 5, beginning in verse 11. And... Uh, the writer here, I, and I really enjoy Hebrews because I think, you know, there's a lot of teaching in there that's um, really kind of like the book of James that Pastor Brian is going through, where it's kind of practical and it kind of challenges us in our thinking about the way we approach, approach things. But uh, here in verse 11 of, of Hebrews chapter 5, we read this. We have much to say about this, but it is hard to explain because you are slow to learn. Uh, boy, that's, that's kind of the way I feel a lot of times, that I am slow to learn. You know, I, I learn something or I feel like I've learned something and then all of a sudden it's like, whoop, I took two steps forward and I just took three back. Anybody else? You know, yeah. And, and uh, we're sometimes slow to learn and God makes it abundantly clear to us, but eh, I'm not sure. In fact, in verse uh, 12 here, he says, In fact, though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you the elementary truths of God's word all over again. You need milk, not solid food. 
Um, as I mentioned earlier, I, I'm one of those who on occasion find myself that, you know what, I need to go back to some milk. Because uh, I realize that, you know, what I, what I might be struggling with in my personal life was taught to me when I was a brand new infant Christian. Why am I still struggling with that? Why is that still an issue for me? And so sometimes I actually have to go back and say, okay, but, but this is what God's word says. And remind myself and dig into the word. In fact, that's one of the things that I really appreciate of, of reading through God's word is that every day, I, I read something this morning uh, in, and I'm in the, uh, reading through the Bible in a year and, and right now there's, there's a series of the Psalms and I was reading one of those and it's like, wow, thank you for that reminder, God. You ever have those days where you're, you're reading something in Scripture and it's like, wow, God, I forgot that. Thank you. Thank you for that reminder. I needed that today. I needed to hear that. I need to experience that today. God's Word is alive and can do that for us. And He does it so, so beautifully. Uh, and we need it. Well, verse 13, anyone who lives on milk, being still an infant, is not uh, acquainted with the teachings of about righteousness, but solid food is for the mature, who by constant use have trained themselves to distinguish good from evil. Um, you see, the, the idea there is not just taking in the word, not just hearing it and saying, oh yeah, that's right, but rather constant use. What does that mean? Constant use means I hear it, I learn it, and I put it to practical use on a regular basis. I learn to study the Word of God and apply the Word of God. Uh, oftentimes, you know, you, you can have a conversation with somebody and you realize that they really understand what that particular scripture is talking about, but you watch their lives and you realize, but they're not applying it. They know the words, they know the concept, but they never use it, they never apply it so that it shows that they have a maturity, that they're growing in their faith. I, I examine my life on a regular basis, and there's times when I think about myself and I say, boy, are, are, you, are you applying the things that you're studying? Do you understand what the Scripture is telling you on this particular area, and are you applying it? Not just hearing it, not just studying it, not just knowing it, but applying it, putting it into practical application. I don't know about the rest of you, but, but there's times when I look at my life and I say, yeah, I know that, but I just had this incident over here, this thing that just happened, and I knew that, but I didn't apply it there. Any, any of you, rest of you ever have that happen? Where, where you know, and then afterwards you look at it and you say, ah, I knew better than that. I shouldn't have said that. I shouldn't have done that shouldn't have thought that. I shouldn't have allowed that to come into my mind and, and to, to get into my life. Well, the way we avoid that is we use it. We use God's word constantly and we apply it in every situation. Pastor Brian, for those of you who were, were here, I think it was couple, two weeks ago maybe or so, he talked about the 18 inches. You remember, some of you remember that? The 18 inches from here to here, right? 
I think there's one more part of that. You got the 18 inches, which I totally agree with. In other words, we have to have it in our heart. We have to believe it. Then I think we also have to have it go down another few and have it put into practice, maybe a little bit further down yet, and have it put into actual use. You know that you, you see what I'm getting? We need to take it from here. I got the head knowledge about this, but I have to get out of out of my comfort zone and I have to go and do something with that. I, I have to quit being comfortable saying, I have this knowledge, I have this information. Our heads get so full sometimes with information. But we need to take it and go it out and, and, and apply it and, and, and use it and help other people with that knowledge that we've accumulated. And I think that's some, an area where uh, the church today needs to become better. I think we're pretty good at, at understanding the word, hearing it. I think we're pretty good at being able to preach it back, you know what I'm saying? Like on Facebook, you watch things on Facebook, you know, we put things out there. Uh, maybe, maybe on a one-on-one meeting with somebody, we might say something, but going out and applying it in the world so that people see Jesus Christ in our lives is a whole different world. And that's where we need to grow. And that's where we need to learn to be better at that. And one of the nice things with a Bible study and an ABF's small group ministry is that we can learn from one another how we can be effective at doing some of those things. To take it from here and put it into practical application, practical use. Well, let's look at one more. First uh, Peter chapter 2 um, and, and see what Peter says. Uh, chapter 2, uh, verse 2, he says, Like newborn babies crave pure spiritual milk, so that by it you may grow up in your salvation, now that you have tasted that the Lord is good. You see the key word there is pure spiritual milk. You, we, we need that we need that purity and the spiritual milk. Uh, I'm sure you all know that, but the spiritual milk is this. It's God's word. So it's taking that God's word in and saying, I understand, Lord, what I need to do in this situation. And I choose to do that because your word is pure. Your word is right. Your word is correct. And I will follow you. And that's the challenge that we have from Peter. Um, we can distort God's word, and we can make it say just about anything we want it to. And there are people who are very good at that. But when the Holy Spirit comes in and he reminds me, you know, Hank, you, you messed up. You messed up big time. Remember, I taught you this. Boy, that, that just draws you up short, doesn't it? And maybe I'm the only one that happens to. I, I don't know. But, but there's times when it's like, whoa, I told you how to apply this in your life. Why are you not doing it? Well, part of it is some are quicker learners than, than others. 
part of it is that sometimes we have hearts that get hard because of circumstances and situations. Sometimes it's because we're stubborn and we refuse to listen to what God is telling us. Sometimes we just choose to walk the other way. Sometimes we recognize that God's word is true and correct and God has told me about this thing, but I choose instead to go a different direction because I'm not willing to listen to the Holy Spirit who's reminding me of a scripture that says, don't say that, don't do that, don't think that, don't behave in that way. Well, how do I get there? How do I do that? Well, I have to keep growing. I have to be taking in that spiritual food. And one of the things that we hope will happen in our small group ministries, our Bible studies, our adult Bible fellowships, one of the things that we, will, we hope will happen is that we'll be studying God's Word. And as I interact, as we interact with one another, and, and somebody says, you know what, I went through something and God's word told me this, and I did that, and it really helped, and I really, I really got someplace. And, I, and you're sitting there, you say, wow, that really works, and, and, and thank you for that encouragement. Or somebody else says, you know what, I, I, I really have been struggling with something, and I just don't know what to do. And somebody else in the group says, well, you know what, I went through that too, but, but if you do this and this, it'll really help you. Because that's what God's word told me to do. And it helped me. And, and as we're gathered in the smaller groups, we can have those kind of personal interactions with one another. And we can let down our guard, and we can, and we can be vulnerable and sensitive to one another. That's hard to do in a large group. That's difficult to be vulnerable when you're not intimately involved with the people. But the smaller your group of people that you're studying and fellowshipping with, the more intimate you can become about personal failings and weaknesses. So as we grow, we need to change our spiritual diet. I asked uh, some of the ladies the other day, uh, you know, what's the, what is the... Uh, process with babies when it comes to uh, food and uh, they kind of chuckled at me you know because like why are you asking and but I was seriously asking the question because you know my kids are pretty grown and my grandkids are uh, we don't haven't been there for a long time and I, I just was curious and so um I don't, th- I don't know if I have the right order, but, you know, they start off with milk, right? They, they start off with milk, and, you, you know, whether you, you're, whatever way you're feeding that child, you know, it's, it's liquid. And then you go to pureed food. Is that right? Okay. Becky was one of them I asked, so she's shaking her head. So I got it. Okay. So then you go to, you know, which, right, and, and then, you, then you will sometimes go to, you know, a little bit more solid food like, but like bananas or something, and you squash it up, right? And so that, you know, they can take it in. And, and, and how many of you would like to have your children still eating that kind of food, you know? Or how many of you would like to just be eating that kind of food? What's the idea there? The idea is we want our children to grow, right? And they're not going to grow if they're constantly eating food like that. 
They have to, oh, somebody's having fun over there. They have to uh, be able to, to get the right kind of nourishment so that they can grow, that their bodies can mature. And isn't that what we want from our children? The same is true spiritually. When I lead a, a, a person to Christ, and they make a decision to follow Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, not because of me, but because the Holy Spirit has been working in their heart and, and draws them into a relationship. And, and when that person comes in, if I say, okay, now, you know, great, I'm so happy that you're a Christian, now go and, you know, go and just kind of like live your life and, you know, that'd be like taking that little baby infant, give them the, the milk and say, okay, now go and figure out something else to eat. Right? I mean, think about it. That's what we do sometimes. And let me see if I can give you a, a little bit of a visual on this. I, I've been asked to go and speak at a variety of places. And uh, I remember specifically one time I, I was, uh, went up to a church in Nagani. And they had an Awana program. And I went up there and I just felt of the Lord that I needed to share with them the gospel message. And I had several of these uh, children who uh, came forward and made a decision to trust Christ as their Savior. And I've, I've never been back there. So what happened to those children? What happened to the ones who made a decision for Jesus Christ? I have no idea. And I think sometimes that that's what we do when we witness and we fail to ever follow up with that. Well, in the book of 2 Timothy, one of the things that we need to teach people who are new believers is what they need to do with that. They need to understand what... The word of God is all about. So 2 Timothy 3, beginning in verse 14. So the concept here is these, per, these people have heard about Jesus. They've made a decision for Christ. And then verse 14 of, of uh, did I say first? The 2 Timothy 3, 14. But as for you, continue in what you have learned and have become convinced of. Because you know those from whom you have learned it, and how from infancy you have known the holy scriptures, which are able to make you wise. One of the things that really always worries me are, are kids who grow up in our church. My children, my grandchildren, who grow up in a, in a church where they hear the gospel, they hear the word, and they can become accustomed to having their terminologies. They can uh, so easily believe that they're believers because they've heard it for so long, but they've never had that personal one-on-one -on -one relationship with Jesus Christ. We have a wonderful children's ministry here, and I'm grateful to Becky and, and those who help Becky with our children's ministry. 
And one of the things that Becky and I have had multiple conversations about, and that's the curriculum that we use to teach children to make sure that they're getting the message and understanding it, not just hearing the words, but something that will help them to take it in and have it be a life-changing experience for them. You see, that's what the Word of God can do for us. It can change our lives. And that's what we want. And we want that not not just for our, our children here, but for our adults as well. And that's one of the reasons that we need to be in the Word. Verse 16, All Scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. We love those words, don't we? Rebuking, we all love to be rebuked. Correcting, I love when somebody comes and corrects me. Seriously, there are times when it's great. Oh, thank you, I needed that correcting. But realistically, none of us really like to be rebuked or corrected, right? We like to have praises. But God's word is good for that. You know, there's times when Pastor Brian is up here in the front and he reads some scripture and he talks about some scripture and it's like the Holy Spirit says to you, hello, I'm talking to you. Do you get it? We need that. God's word is alive and true and it works in our hearts. So that, verse 17, the man of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. We need to be thoroughly equipped so that when we go down the road and we come up against a bump, we know how to handle that. When we're struggling with something, we know where to turn to get the help and the answers that we need. God's word is alive. And it can work in our lives to change us and make us to be the kind of people God wants us to be. He wants us to be thoroughly equipped to handle every situation. Well, at church our size, we need to have a means for helping people like that. Becky shared with us the modifications and changes that she had to make to her ministry in order to minister to the children that we have coming here. You've heard me say before when we've made some announcements about the needs that Becky had that, that it's a good problem, but it's a problem. <laughs> you have to deal with it. You have to be ready. I mean, praise the Lord for a problem that we have a lot of children, Right? I mean, wow, thank you, God. But Becky and her people that work with her have had to do a lot of work to to find helpers and to find people who can step in and, and, and help out with some of those ministries. And so if we're going to continue to encourage people in their spiritual growth, we have to have a means to accomplish that. And that's where the small group ministry, the adult Bible fellowships, the the prayer meetings, those kinds of things where we break down the big church into a smaller size that people can connect with one another comes into play. Jesus did that. If you remember when Jesus uh, was feeding the the thousands, remember he had the 5,000 and the 3,000. You remember what he did when he did that? He had them broken down into smaller groups. There was 5,000 people. And he says, have them sit down in groups of 50, right? He's breaking them down into smaller groups for what purpose? To feed them. If we break the church down into smaller groups, we can feed them. We can feed one another and help one another 
in our spiritual growth. So it's a concept that began with Jesus and is clearly a concept that works. So let's lastly turn to, if you would, the book of Acts in chapter 2. And um, Acts chapter 2, we're going to begin at verse 41, 42. Now I'm going to do 41 first. Uh, Those who accepted his message were baptized, and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. I want you to think about that. You ever read scripture like this and and you go, wow, how did they handle 3,000 brand new Christians? We're a church of about 300. Can you imagine if we all went out See if I can get my math right. And brought in 10 people. How many would that be? Can you imagine 3,000 people coming here? Next Sunday, Pastor Brian gets up in the front. And we have three, I'm not sure where. We have 3,000 people in here. Most of whom know absolutely nothing about Jesus Christ except what they had been just introduced to by somebody else who came along and said, hey, you got to come and hear about this Jesus Christ. It, it, it certainly would have created unique issues for them. So let's look to see what the church did. Verse 42, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching So the first thing that they did, I believe, is they went to a place, we know they did, they went to a place where they heard the apostles teach. They taught the word of God to all of the people. Okay? So can you you get your mind around that, right? They're they're, they're at a place where the apostles are teaching, getting up and, and preaching a message to all of these thousands of people, brand new Christians. Devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe, and many wonders and miraculous signs were done by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common, selling their possessions and goods they gave to anyone as he had need. Every day, every day, they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Can you get the, the picture? Can you, as we read those words, can you kind of just get your mind around what that looks like? So they would go and hear the teaching Then they would go where? Say it out loud, nice and loud. They went to homes, right? Do you think thousands of people are fitting into these people's homes? No. They're small groups meeting in people's homes. And what do they do there? Break bread. What does that mean? They ate together. They would 
break the big church down into a smaller church in people's homes. And they break the bread. And what did they do? They studied what the apostles had just got done teaching. They studied the word of God. It hadn't been written yet, so they had to rely on going and hearing it. And then they got together and they listened to what somebody else said. Well, what I heard Peter saying was that you have to believe and be baptized. What I heard Peter saying is you have to repent. What I heard Peter say is quit doing the stuff you've been doing. And thinking the stuff you've been thinking, change your direction. And I know you, and you're a friend of mine, and you're, you're telling me that, and I'm saying, wow, thank you for clarifying that so that I can change the way I've been living my life and make it more like Christ. That's what small groups are all about. All small groups are intended for all levels of Christian maturity. We can all learn from one another. I mentioned to you earlier, when you're in a small group and somebody who you might not think is as mature or somebody who's always so quiet and they say something or they ask a question about something and the body just kind of starts to work off of that and out of that you grow in your understanding and your application of God's word. That is one of the purposes of the small group ministry. And so my challenge to you today is this. Are you mature? Have you been with the Lord for a long time? Do you know God's word very well? Are you telling anybody else how to live their life, help anybody else to find ways to apply the scripture in their personal lives? Are you a brand new believer today? Are you somebody who has, has just recently given your life to Jesus Christ? Are you going to other people in a small group, a Bible study, prayer meeting, whatever it might be, and hearing those people talking about how you can live your spiritual life? That's the purpose of our small groups. So that we can grow in our walk with Christ. We can have deeper fellowship with one another. That's connecting. We can learn to serve one another, to serve the church, to serve people out in the community who need to know about Jesus Christ. And we can have an opportunity to go and tell the word of God to others who desperately need to hear it. If you're not part of any kind of a small group, whether it's a Bible study, an in-home fellowship, an adult Bible fellowship, you need to get involved with these things so that you can either be taught or teach. You can help or come alongside and help people to grow. So my challenge to you is this. Are you willing? Or are you satisfied with the things the way they are. I have this knowledge, but I don't want to go to a group and share it with anybody else. I'm not a teacher. How can I do that? 
I would encourage all of you to get involved with some sort of small group ministry. If not, so that you can grow, so that you can help others. Do you have something to offer? Absolutely. Do you know more than somebody who came to know Christ yesterday? I hope so. And that's where you're able to share and challenge and help people in their growth. Would you join me in prayer? Lord God, I thank you for this morning. I thank you for the truth of your word that we can uh, examine it. We can question and wonder and, uh, Lord, grow in our faith in you. I believe, Lord, that every one of us wants to be more mature in our spiritual walk. And I thank you that we have a, a something in place here at this church to help us with that. We can improve. Lord, I ask that you would help us, teach us how we can improve. But most importantly, Lord, we need to be involved. And so I ask that you would prompt our hearts and our lives to be more willing to listen and to be uh, receptive to the needs of others that we can help them in their growth. Thank you for your love and your grace toward us. We thank you for that in Jesus' holy and powerful name. Amen.